All right, all right. How are we doing tonight? Feels so good to be up close to you like this on this new stage. I just feel closer and one with you guys. I love it. Hey, do me a favor real fast and just turn to your neighbor and say, you sang beautifully tonight. Just, just tell them, you have a beautiful voice. I had no idea. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm really excited to be here tonight and uh, just already so pumped for what God is doing uh, through baptism and through worship, just so good to be with you guys and a part of this community. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Austin, and I have the uh, privilege of being the pastor of this group, and, and I hope that you feel at home here. That's kind of our big thing. We just say welcome home and want this to be a place where you feel like you belong to and where you can just learn and, and experience what it looks like to follow Jesus. And uh, really, we don't have uh, any agenda here other than just uh, kind of getting in the presence of God and asking that he would do something and do what only he can do. And so that's what we do every Thursday, and we're glad that you decided to join with us tonight. We've been in this uh, series the past few weeks, and it's been awesome, and uh, I've gotten a chance to teach the last two weeks. And tonight we have a special uh, treat for you guys, though, because I've asked someone else to teach tonight, and uh, I've asked Tori to come in. If you guys know Tori, so... Uh, I'm going to ask you to give her another round of applause in a second. But so Tori has been a resident with us since September, I think. So for quite a few months, and she has already done incredible things and just been a part of us, and she's giving to us. We're better because of her, and uh, I just love everything that she's doing and who she is. More than, more than what she does, I love who she is, and so uh, we're giving her the opportunity to teach us tonight, and I'm so excited just to sit with you guys and to hear from her because I know she's going to kill it, and uh, you guys love her and support her, so do, do me a big favor. Give her a very warm C12 welcome. <laughs> Well, welcome everybody. Y'all good? Excited to be here? Yes. Awesome. Well, some of you are excited, obviously. <laughs> some of you are disappointed, and I am everything right now. So we're all in an awesome place, and we're so excited for the rest of this series. Um, but before we dump, jump into the spiritual stuff, I just wanted to get to know you a little bit better, let you know a little bit about my life, for those of you who don't know. So I grew up in the Eastern Shore, Delaware slash Maryland. I have four amazing siblings and two awesome parents. I believe there's a picture of my family somewhere. It'll come up eventually. <laughs> but I have amazing family that I love, um, incredible family. Um, two sisters particularly who are 13 and 14 right now, and they are just the coolest kids. Side note, they are way cooler than I ever was or ever will be, honestly. Um, but I, maybe you'll see them. Um, <laughs> so that's a little bit about me. I went to Indiana Wesleyan University. I studied ministry for four years out there. While I was there, I met this cool guy, Stephen, um, married, <laughs> married, married him uh, almost a year. We're coming up on a year. May 20th, we'll have been married. And I also had some wedding pictures, but you can check those out in my Facebook album. You're welcome. I didn't make this just a 30-minute slideshow of our wedding photos because I really was tempted to. Um, <laughs> but uh, we moved here, uh, like Austin said, about 10 months ago. We've had the awesome privilege of being at 12 Stone since last June, and I've had the awesome privilege of being your resident since September, and it's been great. Honestly, I just wanted to give you all a shout-out because I brag on you guys all the time. C12 is the best ministry, and I really do love being here. So I'm excited. Are you ready? <laughs> all right. 
All right, so like Austin said, we are in this series, I Want to Believe, But. We're talking about these obstacles that we have when either coming to faith or continuing to grow our faith. In the first week, we talked about an on-demand God, this idea that God gives us everything that we want right when we want it. But that's not the truth. The truth is, is that we exist to serve him because he is so holy and so worthy of everything. In the second week, we kind of deconstructed this myth of a killjoy God, a God that just imposes religious rules just to suck the fun out of everything. And we kind of deconstructed that and talked about the freedom of a relationship with Jesus as opposed to religion. And if you notice, what is so important about what we're doing here in these messages is deconstructing the false myths we have about God. Because when we don't believe in him because of these ideas, it's not that we're rejecting God, we're rejecting who we think God is. And so the very first point we have to remember is we're taking down these ideas, these false ideas of who God is. And when we see him for who he really is, we get one step closer to putting our faith in him. So tonight, this third myth that we're going to be talking about, this third idea of who we think God is, is goosebump God. A God who gives you goosebumps, who makes you feel things. A God whose primary relationship with you is how he makes you feel, what he makes you feel. And to get us started, I just wanted us to do a little bit of a thought experiment. Um, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but just kind of think back. How do you know that you felt God? Whether you felt him tonight, whether you felt him this morning, whether you felt him last Sunday or a year ago, how do you know? Did you get goosebumps? Did you cry or just have a sense of peace? What was it? How did you know you felt God? And if you haven't felt God, Maybe you didn't feel him tonight. Maybe you didn't feel him this morning or last Sunday or you haven't felt him at all. How do you know? And whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? Was he looking right at you and said, mm, everyone else but you? <laughs> was it your own fault for not working hard enough or singing loud enough? Or was it Zach's fault for not playing Reckless Love? Personally, <laughs> I think it is. I think that's the reason. <laughs> um, but all these to say, all these questions, if they make you feel uneasy, if you have a hard time answering them, if they give you kind of a sick stomach, that's good. All right, you all can take a breath now. <laughs> I'm not trying to ask you trick questions. I'm trying to show that God's presence and who he is is so much bigger and so much more than our feelings. And that's where we're going tonight. But for a lot of us, what gets in the way of us believing in God, what gets in the way of us being confident and who God calls us to, and who God tells us he is, what keeps us from that is the fact that we can't feel him, or the fact that we haven't felt him in a long time. What keeps us from building our relationship stronger is the fact that how can I do that with a God I can't see, with a God I can't feel, or a God I can't hear? And I know all of us are in really different places with this right now. Some of us felt God tonight, some of us haven't felt God in a year. Some of us, if you were honest with me, you haven't ever felt God in your life. And for those of you who has always felt God and you're always driving, you're always posting pictures of Bible verses, that's awesome. You're just really annoying for the rest of us. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. If you've always felt God and you are in a place right now where you're feeling him, that's really great and I really don't want you to tune out tonight. Because even if you are in a place where you're really feeling God, that's not going to last forever. And there are going to be days when you don't feel him. Or there are other people in your life who right now are struggling to feel God. 
and you could have something to say to them. And one reason I think this topic is especially tricky, why we have a hard time talking about it, is because there's a lot of shame surrounding the fact that when you can't feel God, you feel like you're expected to. We're in a community of where people are always feeling God, and you feel like you're expected to feel the same thing. And sometimes there can be shame with that. But let me be clear. Shame is not of the Lord. The Lord does not give us shame. He may convict you, but he's not here to give you shame. I'll tell you, I'll be the first one to tell you that shame has been an issue in my life. I was a ministry major. Like I said, I spent four years devoting my life to studying the Bible and developing my call to ministry. In those four years, there were so many dry seasons where I didn't feel God, where I couldn't feel him talking to me, and I didn't know where he was in my life. But because I was a ministry major, but because the university kind of put me on a pedestal, I felt like I had to fake it. Like I had to be all together, all the time. And there was a lot of shame surrounding that. But shame thrives in silence. And tonight we're going to break the silence, and we're going to talk about it. And the first thing that I want to say is that you're not alone. If you don't always feel God, if you're not feeling him right now, you are not alone, and you are not the first person to go through this. Surprise, you're not the center of the universe. <laughs> um, you're definitely not the first one to be here. In fact, this, we can trace this all the way back to Scripture. Psalm 88, if we have that for the screen, it says, But God, I cry to you for help. Lord, in the morning my prayer goes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? This is just one example of so many verses in Scripture where people are crying out to God, God, I want to see you, I want to feel you, but where are you? And there's so many characters in Scripture, too, David being one of them, who was a man after God's own heart and who said, the, in the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. That same David also said, how long, O Lord, do you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Fast forward to the New Testament. We have Mary, the mother of Jesus, who has found favor with God, and an angel comes to her and says that she will be the one to carry God's son. Yet she has to go months before the angel does the same thing for Joseph, or she's wondering in silence, am I crazy? Did I just imagine that angel? Why isn't God telling my husband the same thing? Fast forward a little bit more to Paul, the apostle of Christ, who met Jesus in a blinding flash of light, was called to be a preacher, ended up wandering in the wilderness for three years and not preaching for another 10. You're not alone if you haven't felt God. To make it a little bit more real, uh, you know, because I know we can idolize Bible characters sometimes, Mother Teresa, she's kind of a big deal, kind of a big person in the church. She's a Nobel Prize winner. She became a saint a few years ago, um, devoted her whole life because she was so in love with Jesus to serving the poor and the sick in India. Well, after she died, they did a little bit of digging into her life, into her writings, and it turns out that Mother Teresa, this Nobel Prize winner, this woman who was so madly in love with Jesus, actually spent the last 50 years of her life in a spiritually dry season where she didn't feel God. In fact, this one quote, she says, Lord, my God, who am I that you should forsake me? I call, I cling, I want, and there's no one to answer. I am told God lives in me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. 
I feel like I need to say a joke now. <laughs> that was, whew. But all of this to say, all these examples, with so many more, to say that you are not alone. If you felt this, if you're feeling it now, if someone in your life is feeling it. But we're not going to stay here. I'm going to dive into three reasons why this might be you tonight. Why you might not have been feeling God lately why you maybe haven't felt God in the past. And of course, this couldn't be all of them. There's so many. But I think these are three really big ones that'll help us maybe get a glimpse of the intimacy that we can have with God. So the first point, the first reason why you might not be feeling God is one, you might be over-sensationalizing it. Fun fact, I had to practice that so many times because over-sensationalizing is a hard word. Um, <laughs> Okay, quick poll. How many of you, you know, enjoyed worship tonight? Yeah, tonight was awesome. So let's give a shout out to Zach, wherever he is. <laughs> Got a violinist tonight. It was really awesome. <laughs> and I think a lot of us, we really enjoy worship. And I've even heard it said that you come to C12 just for the worship. And that's great. And that's really cool. But I think sometimes we say that because of the feelings that worship, give us, worship gives us. And music has a real part to play in that. Music brings out our emotions and draws that out. But I think sometimes we're tempted to give feelings a place that they don't belong. And the root isn't bad. We want to feel God. We want to sense his nearness. We want to touch him. We want to hear him. In fact, the disciples did the same exact thing. If we read in John 6, where they're actually talking to Jesus, to God, they say, what must we do? to do the works that God requires. How do we please God? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe in you? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. It, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. So staring God in the face, they say, what sign are you going to give us to prove to us that you are God? And sometimes I think this is how we treat our feelings. We treat them as signs that God is near, where we equate our emotions with God's presence. But I think this really sets us up for disappointment. When we equate a fleeting feeling, something that is temporal, with something, someone who is eternal. And to be honest here for a second, I know this might sting, but I think our generation really struggles with this. Because we have been so accustomed to the emotional high of an entertaining worship set that the first time we leave a service without feeling something, we say that God wasn't there. The first time we go to a church that is a style different than ours and we can't feel something, we say God wasn't in that church. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. Because feelings are not everything. Feelings are not faith. I'm not trying to discourage anyone or say that. Feelings are bad. Feelings are good, and they have their right place. But they are not faith. They are not everything. To kind of illustrate this, I'll just walk through a few really spiritually important moments in my life where I really felt nothing. Um, one time, <laughs> I was in Indiana Wesleyan, like I said, and I had the opportunity to take this class called Experiencing God. And basically, if you're a ministry major at school, all the nursing and bio pre-med and everyone hates you because you just take classes where you pray all day. And it's true. That's what we did. <laughs> um, this class, we went through all these practices and all these worship songs and, and times and 6.30 in the morning prayer walks. 
where we got to try out different ways that we experienced God. And it was a great class. I had a great time. It was fun. I learned some stuff. But for a lot of this stuff in this class, literally called Experiencing God, I felt nothing. And that's not to say it wasn't spiritually significant, because it was. But I just didn't feel anything. Another instance, I was returning to school, and we had this awesome anointing service where all of our professors and faculty would pray over us and anoint us with oil as we prepared for ministry that year. And I'm sitting there waiting to see which professor I'm going to get. And I know which one I really want, the really spiritual one who we literally call like the fourth member of the Trinity. I'm like, if I can just get Dr. Lowe, my face will be glowing. I'll be instantly sanctified. This is going to be great. So I do, I get Dr. Lowe, and he comes up to me, and he waves his hands around, and he anoints me, and to my shock, the heavens don't open up, and doves don't fall from the sky, and so I leave a little bit disappointed, honestly, because there's this awesome moment where I just literally got anointed by oil from my, like, spiritual idol. I feel like that's wrong to say. Um, And I didn't feel anything. That doesn't mean it wasn't spiritually significant, it just means that I didn't feel something. But we just have to understand that feelings are not the evidence of the presence of God. Because if you always felt God, you wouldn't need faith. If you always felt God, you wouldn't need faith. If you always felt God in the valley, you wouldn't need faith to get you through. If you always felt God in the darkness, you wouldn't need the faith and the trust and the perseverance and the foundation of your relationship to pull you through. So when you find yourself tempted to search for the feeling, to just get, get that fix, the assurance that like, okay, God's here, I encourage you not to look for the feeling, but build your faith on the truth of who God is. The second point we're going to get into, and honestly, this is, uh, I think, the hardest one for us to understand and for me to preach. Um, the second one is maybe your heart has hardened. Maybe your heart is hardened. You felt God before, you've heard his voice before, but lately there just seems to be something in the way. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 13. He says, you'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. He said, for the people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have their eyes closed. So Jesus is talking about these spiritual eyes and ears that we have that have become closed. They've become hardened to where we can't sense them anymore. And the reason this happens is because of sin. The reasons our hearts become calloused and hardened, unfeeling towards God, is because of sin. But let me break this down just a little bit. Because as Christians, we agree that we don't live perfect lives. Only Jesus did that. So we do sin. We do sin in our daily lives. We make mistakes But part of the Christian life, as Austin talked about a few weeks ago, is confession, is bringing these things before God and receiving his forgiveness. Because of God's grace, we have intimacy with Jesus. We have forgiveness and relationship. But sin is going to get in the way of that. And the problem is, it's not these daily sins that we're repentant of, but the willful, habitual, continual sins that we choose to do, acknowledging that this is not the path that God has set out for us willfully stepping away from God and consciously, habitually, all the while knowing God doesn't want me here, continually doing this, ignoring his prompting, calluses our hearts. Ooh, that's tough. (laughs) 
uh, last June, like I said, we moved here, and before I started the residency, I got the opportunity, I'm gonna call it an opportunity, <laughs> to get a full-time job in a house cleaning service. And everything you can assume and expect about being a maid or being, working in a house cleaning service, you're absolutely right. It is the worst. Cleaning up after people, even for money, is not fun. <laughs> Um, and people always ask me, what is the worst thing you've ever cleaned up? What's, the, what's a horror story? What's the worst thing you've ever seen? And I will always refer to them, the two weeks that I spent in July of 2017 cleaning out a hoarder's house. I'm, I'm talking full-blown, like, stuff to the walls, the pathway between the things. So, like, if you got to careful, you're going to knock it all off. Like, TV show, I'm not kidding, full nine yards hoarder. In fact, I wish she was on the TV show because that means that I wouldn't have been the one cleaning up her stuff. But ugh, can I just say, it was the worst two weeks of my life. I spent 40 hours a week at this house. Um, to name a few things that I found, uh, a dead lizard among a bunch of other dead creatures. Um, but by far the worst thing was cleaning out her fridge. <laughs> yeah, just imagine a hoarder's fridge for a second. She literally, I kid you not, I'm not exaggerating, she moved here 17 years ago, bought food 17 years ago, and had not taken it out of her fridge or her pantry. So it, like, it took everything within me not to just be throwing up all day because I'm just digging out 17-year-old food from this woman's fridge. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, give me strength. I can't do this anymore. Um, I can't talk about it too much more. I'm going to start gagging again. But... <laughs> It was awful, and there were certain rooms in her house where you would be in them, and there's so much stuff piled up around you, you can't even tell if someone else is in the room with you. You can't even tell that someone's across the way because of the sights and the smells that are distracting you. And some of you, you think that God isn't in the room with you. You think he's not even in the same house. You think he's down the street. But the truth of the matter that he is there you just can't see him and you just can't feel him because of all the junk you've let build up in your heart. Because there's something blocking you, you can't sense his presence. And to be honest, I think some of you are okay with that. You've built that barricade because every time he talks to you, he points out that sin in your life that you're not ready to get rid of yet. You build up this barricade because he's constantly reminding you and putting his finger on it but you always ignore him and he reminds you and you ignore him and he reminds you and you ignore him and you turn away and turn away until you can't hear him anymore. And then you sit here asking why you can't sense God. And until you let him deal with that, until you let him help you clear this junk out of your life, these sin habits out of your life, you're always gonna be wondering why you can't sense God. And why you can't grow in other areas because whenever you come into his presence, you always sense him putting his finger on that same thing, on that same addiction. And some of you, some of you right now might be tempted to tune me out because you're not drinking on the weekends, you're not sleeping around, you're not going around gossiping, you're like, I'm good, I don't have sin in my life, you know, I, occasional white lie. But I want to challenge you. What sins have you become comfortable with? The sanitized sins of comparison, of gossip, of greed, of lust, of anger, of bitterness, things that you just say that you're okay with, that you are justified in having. 
And those are the ones that, if you're not careful, will continue to callous around your heart to where you can't even sense God. But there's good news on the other end of this, because on the other end of those two weeks was a clean living room, and we finally got to breathe. You know the feeling when you finally take care of Laundry Mountain? (laughs) Yeah. When you finally throw away that pizza box and the five soda cans and the trash that has just been slowly accumulating in the corner in the trash can. Yeah, you know. But you know that feeling when you finally clear it out. You sit down and you breathe. At the end of those two weeks, we sat down and we breathed. And for some of us, I think it's been a long time since you were able to take a breath because sin is suffocating and it'll take the life out of you. But God wants to give you breath. He wants to give you life. And if you will turn to him and confess to him and say, God, I need your help clearing this junk out of my life, I want to be able to breathe again. And I don't say this as someone who spent four years studying ministry or is in a two-year residency program. I say this as someone who every single day has to come before God and say, God, heal me of my cynicism. God, heal me of my comparison. Heal me of my jealousy. Heal me of the same things that we are all struggling with. And God is so ready to welcome you back with open arms. He's so ready to clean your heart if only you'll confess to him. And finally, maybe God wants to draw you closer. Maybe you're in the season of what feels like silence because God wants to draw you into him. Acts 17, it says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being. Scripture tells us that the very reason he created, the reason he outlined the nations and gave us life and breath, was so that we would seek him, we would see his glory displayed, and that we would long after him. Because it's true that God longs after us, but he also wants us to long for him. He wants to be the number one in your life. He wants to be the object of your desire. He wants to be the one who you seek first above all else. And maybe that's where he's drawing you to. Because you know what happens when you've been deprived of something, right? When you haven't eaten in a while, you get hungry. When you haven't drank in a while, you get thirsty. When you miss your boo because she's been on a trip for two weeks, you miss her. I miss, my, <laughs> I miss my dog a lot right now. You know, I haven't seen my dog in a long, long time. And I miss him because you miss things that you're longing for, that you haven't seen in a while. And so maybe God is drawing you out to seek him. Maybe you haven't felt him because he wants you to chase after him. But hear me, this is so important. He wants you to pursue him, not a feeling. He wants you to pursue him for his sake, not so you can get a feeling to where you said, God, if you never made me feel anything again, I would still chase you. I would still love you. I would still have you as number one in my life. Because feelings aren't faith. Just because God feels silent does not mean he's absent. But the good news is that Jeremiah 29 says, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. When you seek him, you will find him. And if this is where you are tonight, you sense that God is drawing you out of yourself 
to long for him and love, for, love him more. I have faith that God is going to continue to stir that and do a work in your life. I have faith that you're going to wake up in the morning and say, God, show me who you are. God, I want to experience you in whatever way you want, not in a feeling that I desire. And sometimes this means bringing to mind the ways that he is there in the everyday moments. Practically, this means just bringing to mind the ways that he's there. So when you're walking across campus and you feel the stress settling in because it's finals, (laughs) um, you see the buds on the trees and the birds that you haven't heard in a while, and you say, thank you, God, for your glory displayed in creation. You call to mind his presence in everyday moments. When you're sitting across the room from someone and having a fun conversation, you're laughing and enjoying each other, you say, thank you, God, for your image in this other person, for the gift of community, for the gift of this person. Because the truth is, when we get bogged down with not feeling anything, when we feel that that deprivation, when we feel longing for God, we have to hold fast to the facts, because facts are not feelings. We have to hold fast to the facts of God's love, the facts of who he is, the facts of who he says we are, the facts of what he's done for us. If you remember, I quoted Mother Teresa at the beginning. I'm not going to bring it back to her. Um, She says, it does not matter what you feel, but what he feels for you. It does not matter what you feel, but what he feels for you. You and I must let him live in us and through us in the world. We have to remind ourselves of the facts when we're feeling anxious, when we're feeling like we haven't sensed God in a while. And I actually came up with a practice, a way to do this in my own life a few years ago. And this isn't to say this is what you should do, but this is just what I've adopted in my own life. Three or four years ago when I kind of felt like I wasn't sensing God, I felt drawn to make him my foundation and make him the truth that I set my life on, even when everything else was falling apart. And I needed to remind myself of the facts of what he's done. So I simply did that through the Apostles' Creed. It goes, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From then he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And so that might feel a little old school or a little Catholic for you, but that's for me. When I feel like I'm wavering, when I feel like I don't have a place to even rest my foot, when I haven't felt God in a while, I remind myself of the truth of the reality of who he is. And that settles me, that stabilizes me. I don't have to feel anything, but I know the truth of who he is. So wherever you are tonight, whether you've been over-sensationalizing it, whether you've been looking for something that's not there, whether you have a hardened heart and you just need to confess, you need to come to the altar and say, God, rid me of these things, clear out this room, I'm tired of not being able to sense you. Or maybe... God is drawing you closer. He's drawing you into something deeper, wherever you are. I hope that you will cling to the truth of who God is and of who he says you are. Because the truth about God is he is our Father Almighty, 
the maker of everything, the one who's displayed his glory in creation. That's the truth, no matter what you're feeling. And the truth about who you are, who he says you are, like we sang about earlier, that you are beloved, you are made in his image, and he longs after your heart, and he wants you to long after his heart. That's the truth, no matter what you're feeling. And so sometimes we just have to remind ourselves of the facts, those facts that God loves us and he cares for us and that he has a plan. So tonight, as we wrap up, I ask the band to lead us in a song that reminds us of the facts of God's love, of his story, of our part in his story, and the, and the facts of what he's done for us. So as we worship, I encourage you to lean into these truths, no matter what you're feeling, to lean in to what he says is true. Let's pray. God, regardless of what we're feeling, whether we're excited, whether we're nervous, whether we're on edge because some of these things hit a little too close to home tonight, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your constant presence, your presence that is promised to us, the gift of your Holy Spirit. And God, whether or not we're, we're searching for a feeling or we have something that we've got to confess or whether you're drawing us into a new awakening of who you are, we trust you. We trust in your truth. We trust in the facts of your presence and of your love. And we give it all to you. We love you and we praise you. Amen.
God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. 